to uh, get into the word and uh, turn to your name and say, neighbor, what a difference a Sunday makes. <laughs> Last Sunday was like, oh my God. And this Sunday is like, oh my goodness. <laughs> amen. Amen. Well, God is good. God is good. Uh, let's, Second Timothy Chapter 3, verse 16. This is going to be interesting, and uh, if the Lord would help me, I, I want to really uh, uh, thank, and, and uh, Zach, I'm going to use you. So, not yet, you'll be ready. Uh, and the reason why I'm going to use you is because, first of all, uh, I was watching, I was looking at Zach and Ezra, and uh, what struck me, I don't know, it just hit me that uh, when I was a boy growing up in the church, like I'm talking about like three, four, five, six, seven, et cetera, um, me and my brother sat right where they sit, right where they're sitting. And yes, 50 years ago. Uh, yeah. and, and so you're in a good seat. <laughs> we turned out all right. Uh, <laughs> I used to, I'll be honest with you, I used to hate it. Like, wow, my because all I thought all the cool people sat in the back, uh, but that wasn't so. So, uh, um, amen. Not that you in the back are not cool, uh, but back then there were so few people in our church. You actually had a choice. <laughs> uh, but um, I, I want to really. Really, uh, we're going into talk about doctrine for the rest of the year, and um, and after the word on Friday evening from uh, Pastor Kathleen Verner, I am convinced that this is the way to go. And uh, I want to commend, uh, and I just, I just believe in uh, giving thanks to whom thanks is due. I want to uh, commend uh, you, Tara, because. You, uh, most churches, what they do is after worship, they have the young people leave, and then, you know, the adults stay in the room. Uh, but one of the things that uh, Tara had brought up the idea of, why don't we shorten our service so that the kids, the children, can actually have a worship experience with their parents? Amen. And, and, and so... Um, what I, what the Lord shared with me is, if He would help me to do it, is, you know, uh, can I teach doctrine in a way that keep the adults interested, but also keep the kids interested, so that when you get home with your kids, you can discuss the word. Amen. And so, if the Lord would help me uh, to do this, because it, it's going to take His grace to do this. Um, 
if it doesn't happen, then uh, know that that was my intention. Okay, that was my intention. Second uh, Corinthians, Second Timothy, chapter three, verse sixteen. It says, "All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable." Uh, Brother Demond, do you know how to tie a tie? Okay, good. Because I got food a couple of weeks ago. Uh, if you could just tie that tie for me, and we'll be back for that tie later. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and all scripture is profitable for doctrine, profitable for reproof, profitable for correction, profitable for our instruction in righteousness. Why? That the man or the woman of God, turn to somebody and say, that bees you, okay, may be complete. You don't have to repeat that part. May be complete and thoroughly equipped. In other words, the scripture will equip you so that you can do every good work, every God work. I, I want to talk to you this morning on the doctrine of the scriptures, the doctrine of the scriptures. We're going through this book 30 days of understanding the Bible. And of course, we're not going to be doing 30 days. It's going to be more like. 30 months, <laughs> but we really want you to uh, get this word. It says here, uh, the Bible does not defend itself. It was written to people who accepted its message and therefore spends little time convincing its readers of its authenticity. It's interesting that the Bible says in the beginning, God doesn't explain who God is, doesn't even try to prove who God is. God's like, I'm so bad, I don't need to prove who I am. I'm just saying I am. In fact, when they asked what his name is, he said, my name is I am. I, you are what? I'm everything. The fundamental assertion that the Bible makes concerning itself is that in spite of the human collaboration in the writing of it, the Bible is the revelation of God to man. It was written without error, and it can be trusted to reveal the truth to us regarding God, regarding man, regarding life, and regarding death. We said that, and we're using the acronym, if I could borrow that tie now, sir. We're using the acronym uh, tie to describe what the word doctrine means. And we said that doctrine, okay, can I borrow you, sir? My man, Mr. TJ. We said that doctrine, the word doctrine is, we use the word tie. And we said doctrine, we define doctrine. So cool, TJ. <laughs> I know. Ooh, see, you're anointed. Your sneakers are matching, too. Uh, so the word uh, doctrine means, it, it, we use the acronym TI, meaning the word doctrine means T what? Teaching. I is for instruction. And E is for education. That is the definition of doctrine. Teaching. Instruction. And education, okay? 
We also said that like a tie, doctrine does two things. Number one, doctrine, make sure I get the scripture, doctrine decorates. Titus chapter 2 verse 10 in the Amplified Version says this, uh, proving themselves trustworthy so that in every aspect they will adorn and do credit to the teaching of God our Savior. So the doctrine decorates, but we also know that doctrine also disciplines. Psalm, 20, Psalm 94 verse 12 says, Blessed is the one you discipline, Lord, the one you teach from your law. So you say, well, where's the discipline? Well, the discipline is this. If I have this tie, TJ, why don't you go wherever you want to go? Go back to your mom. No, go back to your mom. Go back to your mom. What's wrong? Go back to your Do you like your mother? Yeah, so go back. See, then this is what doctrine does. It disciplines you. Doctrine doesn't let you go wherever you want to go. There's some of you who, it pays to go to church. You're my man, right? All right. There's some of you who were raised in church, and, and, and so when Sunday morning comes, even when you weren't living right, you still went to church. Doctrine somehow keeps you disciplined. Train up a child in the way that the child should go. When the child gets old, they will not go wherever they want to go. So you, as a parent, are, you are doing a wonderful service to your child when you bring your child to church, force your child to church, drag your child to church. They will thank you when they get older. Amen. Amen. I hate it sitting up front here, but dad, thank you. Amen. Your kids are going to thank you. Your, your kids are going to thank you. Your kids are going to thank you. Now, let's keep moving. Let's keep it moving. Okay, so the word uh, uh, scripture comes from a Greek word, graphe, from which we get our English word, graph. And this word scripture, it, it actually means in Greek, a written thing. We're talking about the doctrine of the scriptures. Are you following me so far? We're going to have some fun in a moment if we haven't had enough fun already. Uh, the word, our, our English word scripture, though, is the Latin word scriptura. And it means a written work or a composition. So this Bible, the scriptures, it is a written work. Or a composition. Composition means, uh, C-O-M means together, and ponary means put. So why is it a work that's put together? Because in this book, in the word Bible, in Greek, simply means the book. <laughs> that's all it means is the book. And so it's scripture, meaning that is a composition. So for example... Uh, the Academy's Awards, I think they announced the, the Oscar nominees, are you following me? And, and so uh, the, there's best written, uh, best script, 
best script, meaning that a script, watch this, a script is not simply one scene. A script is not one act. It is a whole composition. It is the beginning of the movie. It's the end of the movie. It's the climax. It's a composition. Many parts brought together. Are you following me? So in the Bible, there are two major parts. Old Testament, which has 36 scenes, 39 scenes. And then the New Testament has 27 scenes. And therefore, the composition puts together 66 books to make one movie. And then the power of, of this is the fact that um, in the Old Testament, 28 authors, 28 writers write, write the Old Testament. And then uh, eight writers wrote the New Testament. Are you following me so far? Let me make sure I gave you the right numbers because I wasn't looking at my notes. Um, yeah, I was right. And then on top of that, the writers, these writers lived over 2,100 years apart. In other words, from the first writer to the last writer, 2,100 years went by. What are you saying? I'm saying to pull this off, you had to have one director. This one director only took two days to write the Bible. Because the Bible says one year as a Lord is as a thousand years. So it only took him two days to write it. This is how ridiculous the Bible is. It's in ridiculous good. In fact, God is so awesome that in the book of Isaiah, God basically says about 150 years later, I need to get my people out of Babylon, and I need the heathen to pay for it. So God says, because the heathen, the most powerful emperor of the world, 150 years later, he ain't going to believe that I am commanding him to let my people go and then give them the money to build my temple. I am going to call him by name 150 years before he's born so that he will know that I have raised him up to build my house. So now when he finds out, he, look, he looks in the Bible he, and looks in the writings and he says, oh my goodness, God, call me by name. My folks, folks, my point is, is that the Bible had to be written by God. All scriptures are written by the inspiration of God. Are you following me so far? And, and so I want to talk to you uh, about one aspect of, of Scripture. If you look in this book again, you know how to get it downstairs. It says, uh, the four major subdivisions of doctrine in the Bible are these. And I, uh, the best way I can use it, and uh, Deacon Anita, Elder Anita, I'm going to borrow. He, he's not here, but I'm going to borrow your son. Uh, there's, there, her father-in-law is Roy Sr. Her husband is Roy uh, junior and then her son is Roy the third and so I'm going to use the acronym Roy the third to let us know uh, the the four aspects of 
scriptural doctrine. In other words, scriptural doctrine is our revelation, I inspiration. Are you with me so far? I. No, I said I inspiration, I illumination, and I interpretation. Revelation, inspiration, illumination, and interpretation. Now, we're going to have fun with Revelation, and then that's the end of it for now. The word revelation is a Greek word, uh, apocalypsis, apocalypsis, that's the Greek word. What English word do you see in that word? Apocalypse, apocalypse, and it means to uncover, it means to unveil. That's what the word revelation means, to uncover and to unveil. Say that with me. Revelation means to uncover and to unveil. Uncover and unveil. Dr. Kenneth Connor, in his book, The Foundations of Christian Doctrine, describes revelation as this. It is God, watch this, God unveiling himself to man and communicating truth. After the word truth, uh, you can put the word reality because that's what truth means, reality. So God unveil himself to man and communicating truth to the mind of man. Now this is deep. Which man could not discover in any other way. This is important. And believe it or not, I'm almost finished. God unveiling himself to man, communicating truth to the mind, to the thinking of man, which man could not discover in any other way. In other words, you, this is deep now, you cannot study the Bible and find God. There is, you do not have the capacity to find God on your own. This is important. This is important because there's a lot of smart people who think that if they study the Bible and know the Greek and the Hebrew, etc., that they will know God. Let me tell you, you will know religion, but you won't know God. You and I cannot know God unless he gives us revelation. And he, he, in other words, God has to reveal himself. This is the power of, 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 of our walk with God. And that is, I don't care how many books you read. I don't care how many, no, believe it or not, I, I was doing some, uh, I was doing some, uh, uh, I'm, I'm part of the mentoring, uh, I guess, uh, faculty, I guess you say, at Gordon uh, Seminary. And 
you know, we would go through this training, and I remember one of them saying that uh, that there there's a, a there's a number of people who go to Gordon who are not going to go into ministry. No, one person simply said, I just want to go to Gordon to know about the Bible. There's some people who will go to school. I, I want to know more of God. I want to know who God is. And the question, the thing is, is that you're not, you're not going to know this book until you know the author. And that's why people come up with crazy thoughts about that book because they don't know the character of the author. Are you following me so far? How many of you, uh, how many of you uh, uh, husbands or wives, you know, spouses, we had a marriage retreat, wonderful marriage retreat last week, and, and how many of you, you've been married long enough to your spouse that if someone said, for example, uh, if someone said to me, Bishop, Man, I hate to tell you this, but I, I, I saw your your wife. She was in the club, and she was smoking uh, marijuana. I'd be like, "That's not my wife. That's not my wife." Well, then I, all right, she wasn't smoking marijuana. She was smoking cigarettes. No, that was not my wife. I know my wife. How many of you know your spouse that when someone says something, you say, now that's not my, that's not my spouse. In other words, you know the person so well that you're not even going to be tripped up by what is said in someone's book. Now, uh, Mr. Zach, are you ready? Okay, so here's, here's how revelation work, works. If the Lord will help. Everybody watching this. That's how revelation works. Okay, so. And. And. And you're going to have to preach. Okay. He's like, <laughs> bring it on. Okay. So. <laughs> you must have your mommy in you. <laughs> anyway, so. In. Exodus chapter 19. Verse 20, the Lord came down on the mountain of Sinai and he calls Moses to the top of the mountain. He calls Moses to the top of the mountain. You need to stop growing, sir. Okay. He calls Moses to the top of the mountain. Okay, This is uh, uh, Exodus chapter 19, verse 20. And so Moses climbs the mountain. All right. And then uh, the Lord uh, speaks to Moses. And now, all right, Moses, you are now in the presence of the Lord. Let's do it this way. That way people can see. Okay. So stand here. So now you are in the presence of the Lord. I am the Lord and you are Moses. You're up in the mountain. All right. So now let me ask you a question. What's, it, what's in there? What, what is this? I don't know. What? I don't know. You don't know. Of course you don't know. Could be anything. Could be anything. So, so, watch this. So, I'm the Lord. I have to give him revelation. 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 
Asian, the process of re, meaning back, replay, playback, restore, put it back in the store, reveil, pull back the veil. Prior to the process of pulling back to the veil, pulling back the veil, what did he say when I asked him what it was? He said he didn't know. Tell me, what is it now? A box. Okay, so now he knows it's a box. All right? He knows it's a box. Now, so now, remember, we said that revelation means to unveil or reveal. Okay, but it also means what? Uncover. Uncover or when you use the word discover, dis means away from. So disappoint is I'm away from the point I wanted to be. Okay, or, or discover means away from the cover or to remove the cover. So now... We need you to go through revelation. So, revelation is, who, who pulled back the veil? God. Okay, so I pull back the veil, right? Now, it's time for to discover or to uncover. You follow me? So, go on. There's nothing in there. there. Say it again. There's nothing in there. Okay. He said there's nothing in there. Okay? Didn't he say that? Okay, now here's the problem. Here's the problem. Revelation is, in our context, God revealing himself or God uncovering himself. Are you with me so far? So, watch this now. Here's the question Who removed the veil? Who removed the cover? Moses. No, yeah. Okay, yeah. Zach removed the cover. And when Zach removed the cover, he found nothing. Because the hand of God must remove the cover. Because when I remove the cover, better help me here. When I remove the cover, there's something in there. Oh, what, what, what's that? There's still nothing. But there is something. Yeah, the bottom of the box. Now watch this. Watch this. It takes the hand of God. Okay. That? that was very smart. <laughs> That's how revelation works. When God shows you, your response should be, wow. That was smooth. Okay, now, now I'm not finished. So now, Moses gets this revelation. And then Moses has to go back down, Exodus chapter 19, verse 25, with the revelation. 
And I want you to read the revelation. Okay. Uh, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Honor thy faith and father and thy mother. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Thou shalt not covet. You can give me that, and that's for you. Thank you. You're welcome. So now he comes up, gets the revelation, and he goes back down, and he gives back. He gives what God has revealed. And here's my point. I have no idea what God has created my children to be, and so I have to stay in his presence until he shows me. And every once in a while, God will pull the bottom off and say, look at that. And I go, wow. I did not know that was in my child. I did not know that was in my church. See, right now I'm looking, when, when we were growing up, I'm looking and seeing an empty church. I'm seeing nobody. I'm seeing everybody can have a pew to themselves. But all of a sudden I get a revelation and I see the church fall. Now, the question is, what are you going to believe? Are you going to believe what you see? Are you going to believe what you see? And you can't fake this because you will act out what you see. You can't fake revelation. When God shows you, all of a sudden you're like, I just believe. I walk by faith and not by... That's a bad word right there. And that's why no matter what's going on, let the weak say, I am strong. Let the poor say, I am rich because of what the Lord has. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Linda, you need to stand up. You need to, Linda, you need to stand up. You need to, this woman lost her daughter. Found her daughter dead. We're going to pray for you. We're going to pray for you. We're going to pray for you. Found a daughter, 37-year-old daughter, dead in the bathroom. And when I called her up, I was expecting just an emotional mess, and rightfully so, because I was saying I would be there. And yet this woman was able to say, I still believe God. Because my relationship with God is not about what I see. This is tragic, and I'm going to weep, and I'm going to, but my confidence is in the God who doeth all things well. I don't know how this is going to happen, but he's going to do all things right. I want you to point your hands in her direction right now. And I want those of you around her, I want you to gather around her right now. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Let's just take a moment to pray for her right now.
And you don't know this about her, but Tara, I'm going to ask you to pray, because Tara, what you don't know about Tara is that she lost a child. In fact, what you don't know about Tara, which brought her to the Lord, is that in a span of nine months, she lost her first husband and her first child. And so I want somebody to pray who knows the pain. And we're going to keep praying that the support of the Lord. And we thank God for these sisters who are gathered around her. Thank you. Abba, we bless your name. You are good. When we're in the valley of the shadow of death, you are good. When what our eyes sees is wicked, you are good. You're so good. You're so good. Thank you that Linda's not alone, Lord. Your baby died too. You know what it's like for a child to die, Lord. Your heart is with Linda's heart. Lord, thank you that you're grieved at death. You hate it, Lord. You hate it. We rebuke death in the name of Jesus. You hate it. So we don't have to pretend it's good. You're good. Thank you that you're good. Lord, we pray that you would lift up this woman of God. Lift her up. Lift her up. Lift up Brother Charles. Lift up Sister Linda. Lift them up. Lift them up, Lord. When their hands are ready to drop, lift their hands for them, Lord. Lord, I pray against stupid things that people try to say. (laughs) Just shut their mouths, Lord. Shut their mouths. They don't know why this happened, so keep them quiet, Lord. You're good. That's all we know. We don't know why this happened, but we, we know you are good. You are a good God. Lord, when people want to help, help them come clean her toilet and bring her food and sit with her quietly. Unlike Job's friends, Lord, make us good friends to this family. Good friends to this family. No accusations, no explanations, Lord. Just love. Pour out your love. Lord, make our church a church of love for this woman. You're so good. And it's hard for me to even say those words with my arms around her, but I know it's true. And we proclaim your goodness. And we know your goodness will carry her through. Lord, I pray for a sweet reunion for Linda and her daughter. In your gates, in your home, in your mansion, Lord. For a sweet reunion. And in the meantime, Holy Spirit, flood her with comfort and love and strength. Lord, we also want to pray for Gideon and Nicaea, Lord, that they would come to know your love more deeply, that they would be allowed to question and be angry and sad, but they would feel your presence. Lord, you are so good. Can we all just say how good he is together in your seats? He's so good. Thank you, God. You're so good. You are so good. And that's what we hang on to. Linda, we love you. Thank you. 
I'm so sorry. People say amen. Hallelujah, Jesus. Now quickly, I want you to gather around Sister Debbie. And let's pray for the Cummings family. I'm going to ask Brother Jamie if he'll pray. Deacon Cummings always said that he really appreciated Jamie back. Jamie's been here now for how long? How long have you been a pastor? How long? 20 years? 21 years. Yes, yes, yes. yes. I'm going to ask you to pray, and then we'll dismiss the Sunday school student. Dear Lord, we thank you for this day. And Lord, we thank you for this house of prayer. And Lord, we thank you for our sister Debbie our mother Cummings, our sister Karen, and everyone else in this house, Lord. Right here, Deacon Cummings sat for decades, and he blessed and touched all of us. Lord, we thank you that we were able to be his sons. And growing up in a single family household, he was a father to me. And he was a father to many. So, Lord, we ask you to continue to comfort our mother Cummings, who misses her partner. We ask you to continue to be with our sister Debbie, our elder Ken, Kendra, Matthew our Reverend Karen. And Lord, we thank you for the service that they've done in this house. And we thank you for showing us pillars in your kingdom. Continue to bless them and continue to allow them, as we did on Tuesday, to celebrate the life of Deacon Cummings. And we look forward to the day when we get to laugh and talk with him again continue to bless that family. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's all stand and we're going to let the Sunday school students and the teachers go. Thank you. I want to do one more thing. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Isn't God good? Isn't God good? Hallelujah. Come on, let's praise the Lord even as the Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. I want you as the Sunday school students and teachers declaring, um, I want you to either hold the hand or put your hand on the shoulder of the person next to you, whatever you feel comfortable doing, because I... Many years ago, I learned the importance of revelation. Um, there's a story in Second Kings chapter 6, I believe it is, where a servant comes out of a cabin and he goes into sheer panic. And he says to Elisha, we're, we're, we're in trouble. And Elijah 
kind of looks out the cabin and says, almost like he just says, ah. And I imagine the servants like, what is wrong with you? Don't you see that we're surrounded by Syrian army? And Elijah says, don't worry, they're more on our side than on their side. And like Zach, he's probably like, I don't see it. And Elijah prayed. He said, God, open his eyes so that he could see. See what? See what's already there. In other words, prayer was the answer to revelation. I really believe that every time we read the word, just like Zach, when he went, oh, that's cool. I believe God wants us, when we look at his word and the Holy Spirit shows us something, we say, wow, God, you're cool. I believe that's what Adam said. That's why the Bible said he would meet God in the cool of the day. God, you are so cool. You can't be bored with God when he keeps showing you revelation. And so I'm going to ask you to pray just a brief prayer that David prayed in Psalm 119 verse 18 when he said, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. And then after you pray briefly, I'm going to pray a prayer that the Apostle Paul prayed over the church of Ephesus. And I really believe that this is going to be the beginning. If you found the Bible boring, if you found God not speaking to you, I believe that this is going to be the beginning of a season I'm trusting God you're going to enter a day in your life where you can't put the Bible down. That you're going to need an alarm clock that says, hey, I got to get to work. Because God is just going to be teaching you. So just for one minute, if you could just pray for the person next to you. Just say, God, open their eyes. God, make the Bible exciting. God, reveal yourself. Whatever, use your words. But I know God wants us to know his word. I know God wants us to have an appetite for his word. Job said in verse 23, chapter 12, chapter 12, chapter 23, verse 12. He said, I've esteemed the words of your mouth more than in my necessary food. I, I love your word more than food itself. I want to get there, Lord. I want to get there. Jesus, you said man shall not live by bread alone. In Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 3, but every word that proceeds, give me a hunger for your word. You said blessed are they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness. It is not natural to hunger for your word. So Lord, I need you to put a hunger in my heart, a hunger in my spirit. Help me to want your word. Help me to desire your word. Now I'm going to pray over you the scriptures. Paul prayed this prayer over the church at Ephesus. 
Ephesians chapter 1, verses 16 to 19, the voice version. Paul says, I haven't stopped thanking God for you. I am continually speaking to God on your behalf in my prayers. I love the voice version. Here's what I say to God. God of our Lord Jesus, the anointed father of glory. I call out to you on behalf of your people. Give them minds ready to receive wisdom. Give them minds ready to receive revelation so that they will truly know you. Father, open the eyes of their hearts and let the light of your truth flood in. Shine your light on the hope you are calling them to embrace. Reveal to them the glorious riches you have you are preparing as their inheritance and let them see the full extent of your power that is at work in those of us who believe and may, may it be done according to your might and power in Jesus name